episode 28 of Cloudy with a Chance of Racing, getting started right now, and we have an enormous show for you today. Not one, but two guests joining us here on Cloudy with a Chance of Racing. The first of which is a guy I have listened to and looked up to for a long time. He happens to be from my hometown. We both studied at Marshall University under the legend Dr. Charles G. Bailey, the Hall of Famer. And you heard him this past weekend on the Motor Racing Network at Daytona. It is Jason Toy from MRN. Jason, thank you so much for joining us and uh, welcome to Cloudy with a Chance of Racing. God, you're making me feel old already. Jeez. <laughs> Thanks. No, I'm good. I'm glad to be here with you. Well, a, a lot to get to on the uh, on the NASCAR uh, side of things with a couple of, of wild races, a, a trio of wild races, if you include the truck series yesterday, uh, the Milwaukee Mile. But the big one was the NASCAR Cup Series on Saturday night at Daytona International Speedway, the finale of the regular season where the 16 drivers who compete for a championship were determined and that race featured a lot of everything right there was uh there was three wide kind of midway through the race a couple of hard crashes and is it really can we call chris busher a surprise winner at this point uh the guy's reeled off three of the last five right yeah he has and he he always runs well at daytona too and that team is just hitting their stride i was kind of wondering though coming on that last lap and having the call out there if he was going to let old boss man slide up and get that first win of the season. But uh, now they came across the line. Uh, what was it? Fourth or fifth win of the season, a fourth win of the season for him. And uh, he, he, you know, they all ran smart races. Brad ran a very smart race that early on, he felt like things were a little too, too congested up front. He fell back to the back on that first stage and Chris did the same thing. And then they kind of practiced a little bit of how quickly they can get back up towards the front of the field and, and they did. They never lost the field, and they were able to go back and forth as much as they wanted to. So they discovered something there, and then later on in the race set themselves up in position to uh, to be able to be up towards the front and make some moves and avoid the big wrecks. You know, we had the one coming off of turn four. That was the that hard impact with Ryan Blaney, and, of course, the big wreck there on the back stretch there with Ryan Priest, which only took out two drivers, but that came out a bit packed. So it was, uh, it was an eventful evening. I'll say that in, in, indeed. And that's one of the great things. That's what you want to have with an elimination race like that at Daytona uh, going into the playoffs. You got the drama built in for really one spot. You know, you had, what, 17 drivers that were vying for one spot and watching the different scenarios of how things were happening with that. And, you know, it's funny that, you know, our pit reporters were talking about listening to the radio and, and Booty Barker, who's the crew chief for, for uh, Bubba Wallace, we're talking about, okay, don't have to win, but we need to push these other guys to win. We just don't need a new winner. So they were looking at drivers that had already won this season, like a Chris Buescher, or like somebody that was already locked into the playoffs to push them to a win if they couldn't get the win themselves. So, And then you had other drivers like Daniel Suarez that was trying to race his way in, and his teammate Ross Chastain showed he had a very fast Chevrolet. He was able to go to the front. He led up for a little while from a three in the middle of three wide, which was you know really – unique that never happens too much there at Daytona when you're in the middle of the sandwich and uh, he fell back and would try to bring Daniel up and they did that a couple of times and just a little bit too late there towards the end of them to make it happen but you had everything you wanted to have in a race at Daytona on a cutoff race before the playoffs heck you even had a, a, a shuttle launch or a space launch going on in the back on the back stretch during the about just <laughs> after nine o'clock of the race too so it had everything in well, and in, and it kind of needed everything after what what some people would say was a couple of lackluster races at Indy and Watkins Glen. That, uh, depending on on a lot of people's perspectives, said that it didn't really have much substance. Uh, they certainly got their money's worth on Saturday night, didn't they? Got got the money's worth. You know, and that's a lot of things I think with still the makeup of the car. We're still learning a lot of things on this race car, and that's you know, and after the Richmond race, they did some testing at Richmond with a different package and they even took the the fuser off the bottom rear of the race car took that whole thing off to see how it would handle and i think they've learned some things they're not going to implement it now because we're that close to the playoffs just going to kind of run what you've wrong type thing but next year you could see some changes aerodynamically to help with the road course package but also help with that short track and intermediate package too so because we've seen the best racing this season on the super speedways with this next gen car and uh, also, uh, you know, tracks like at Michigan, you know, the big two mile there. And I, I, you, we've seen good racing, that really good racing at Kansas, which is going to be exciting here in two weeks. But I think next year you'll see some changes that will make that intermediate short track and road course racing a little bit better. 
Jason, it's great to talk with you and, and, you know, with your position, you, you follow the sport very closely. Looking back at, you know, at the beginning of the season to now, what, as we're done with the regular season, what have been some surprises from this year? Any specific drivers or teams? Um, I know, you know, Chris Busher just winning at this point, it's not really a surprise because they put together a big year, but just from the start of the season, uh, who has stood out to you as far as surprises? And I say this, and I think just because of what they did in making this team up this year and Richard Childress racing, I mean, I think you, the addition of Kyle Busch brought them some wins, but it brought a whole change with that team. And you look at what it's done from the top down with Kyle and then Austin's run well, uh, hadn't got the wins that anybody's run better this year. Uh, but also, too, it trickles down to the Xfinity series. They're just their competitive organization that gets up there and runs with them. I'm still impressed with the way Front Row Motorsports is running. You know, Michael McDowell got the win in Indianapolis, but they have been consistent top 10, top seven, top eight uh, cars every single week uh, with Michael. And then and Todd Gilliland's gotten better, a lot better driving that race car, too. Uh, so I think that's been a good surprise. The the one you kind of expected to see a little bit better this year was maybe uh, Trackhouse and the success that they had last year with Ross. And of course, Ross has a win this year and raced very well early on in the year. Uh, and you go back to Darlington after the contact there with Kyle uh, Kyle uh, Larson, it kind of fell back a little bit. He hadn't won this as aggressive. I think that talk he had with Rick Hendrick really opened his eyes. And he was he admitted that on on uh, Friday during the, the media availability too and uh, kind of brought things back in of, okay, how can I be aggressive but not be that guy that's in the middle of everything out there too? So, And then you look on the other side of things too, Hendrick Motorsports. You know, they the only, you know, if they really had one consistent driver there this year, William Byron, you know, Chase Elliott had the injury. Alex Bowman had the injury. And just look at what they're, you know, doing at the racetrack. It's, you know, and Kyle Larson obviously picking up wins too. They just, you expect all four of those cars to be up there and contending. And that's just, that's one of the little surprises this year too. And granted, I, I know the injuries were both things that are away from that race car. But, you know, and, and then that comes up another question. How do you balance a life? outside of the race car do you you know you protect yourself and not do anything else like joe gibbs racing doesn't you know if he'd noticed that christopher bell is not driving sprint cars a lot lately it's too he told me it's too much of a challenge to try to get permission to go drive and especially when you see you know alex bowman get injured in a sprint car breaking that vertebrae in his back after a flip and then of course chase broke his on the on the ski lift you know skiing downhill so it, it's where do you get that balance of being able to live life outside of the race car yeah, I completely understand that for sure. Also, uh, Jason, so being at the track in an elimination type of race like Daytona, uh, are the, you know, especially from drivers not in and teams not in the playoff situation like we have with Daytona, uh, can you notice, you know, you talked a little bit about the drama of the weekend there at Daytona. Can you notice that from, you know, being around those teams and things like that um, on a weekend like we had this past weekend? Yeah, and, you know, and when they approach it this way, and Daytona is kind of its own beast. You know, you always think about that. Daytona, Talladega, anything can happen. You can have surprise winners. You can be taken out in the first lap. You know, it could be anything. But knowing that, but the way that the, you know, some of those teams that were trying to work their way in, they didn't race how they needed to to that point. So that pressure was put onto them when they got to Daytona. They knew how it's going to be. If they wanted, if they were going to have the opportunity to get off to the next round, should have performed better in the, in the previous races, and you know that kind of comes back and bites you a little bit. So when you get to Daytona, it is what it is. You got to go out there and run. You got to do everything you can, and just you know you got to have the right running car. You know Ryan Priest, good example. You know Priest on the pace lap, something was wrong with power steering. He went came down pit road when they did the the pass through to, to set the tax and you know make sure they got pit road speed right. He dumped into the pits and got. They went to work on the race car. He started back of the field, and he was running up front. I mean, he truly was up in the top three, and then you know shuffled back a little bit. And then that accident happened with him. But it uh, you kind of you always the old the old term in racing is you run what you brung, and that's what it is. When you get to Daytona, you gotta have to run what you have and just put your faith in the the racing gods that things are gonna work out. Well, let's go uh, a quick word on the other two NASCAR races of the weekend: the Xfinity Series race, also at Daytona on Friday night, uh, and there was a big swing 
in that one in the the cutoffs. Of course, the Xfinity Series doesn't start their playoffs for a couple more weeks. But uh, Parker Kligerman has worked his way up into the uh, top 12 qualified position there with a good run for that 48 car. And then uh, another instance where it seems like that 98 of Riley Herbst and that Stuart Haas racing car um, shoots themselves in the foot again. Uh, some sort of issue uh, that, that took Riley out uh, with the like a toe, a suspension issue. Uh, well, and that was from contact from uh, one of the accidents in there too. So he, uh, the thing about it with Riley this past weekend, he was fast in the Xfinity car and then the things didn't work out there towards the end for him and got messed up and then ended up breaking things and uh, that one accident. But, you know, when he got in the cup car and he was up front, he was contending for the lead. He was contending to win stage one, you know, and he said he made a rookie mistake on that. So, uh, but yeah, it was a good swing in that deal. I think Parker has done a really good job in that big machine uh, Chevrolet this season. And uh, the thing is about it, he's been consistent. And that's the thing. He hasn't got that, you know, got the win there yet, but it's been consistent on where he's been finishing. And it, granted, road courses are a strong point. He's going to capitalize on where he can. And I was talking to Patrick Donahue, he was crew chief on Friday before the before qualifying. And he was the way they approach things with Parker when they start off the season and said, we can take 13 races in here that we know we can do very well in the road courses, super speedways, you know, Michigan's those type of things and try to find that balance with the other remaining 20 something race, 20 races that they have and try to be consistent in what they can do there. So yeah, they want that win, but consistency might get them into the playoffs in that top 12. And then anything can happen when you get to that point, especially here in a couple of weeks, they'll wrap it up. Uh, with Darlington and then Kansas, and then you know go racing after that at Bristol in round one. It's a heck of a place to go round one racing. Totally, and, and Junior Motorsports gets a bit of redemption after kind of a calamity the last time they were at Daytona, taking each other out with Justin Allgaier getting the win. Yeah, they, Justin come away just barely by inches. I mean, if you go back and look at that replay, that was like one of the closest finishes ever. And then, uh, you know, when you look at it across the board for them, you know, Sam Mayer was doing good until that wreck. He was uh, he was he was contending for the lead. Uh, Josh Berry, he was kind of moderate up there running towards the front. And then uh, Brandon Jones actually ran well. He has got the worst luck this season driving that nine car. And, you know, when they get a good run, either a Brandon steps on, you know, steps on his own toe or something happens on pit road. They get behind. They get caught up in the accident. So it is um, that has been a hard pill to swallow there for Brandon making that transition over from JGR over to uh, junior motorsports. But, you know, they had that little problem there in the middle part with consistency during the season for uh, Joe, for uh, junior motorsports. And, you know, I think the, the leaders finally stepped up and he's taking control of the, of basically the all four cars in the aspect of kind of guiding these younger kids. And, you know, like you said, the redemption, they go back to Daytona, the start of the season, in February, one time they're towards the end four drivers in the top five, all junior motorsports. They all took each other out this time. They're able to get the win and the finish there. And, uh, you know, the first time, not the bridesmaid there for, uh, for Justin Allgaier there at Daytona. And of course, yesterday, the, the nightcap, or I guess the, the weekend cap, if you will, with the truck series at the famed Milwaukee mile, uh, it gotta be a feel good story for, uh, for Grant Infinger and GMS racing to get the win. Uh, just a couple of days after it was announced that that shop is closing down at the end of the season, but also um, kind of taking the words from Carson Hosevar a little bit, it seems like that uh, that 98 of Time and Jeske has come back down to earth after they had some penalty woes. Yeah, they and they run well and ties and ties. That was a track that's really good for Ty because he's run the late model there so much, uh, knows it well. Uh, but then again, he's been. You know, he go back to IRP a couple of weeks ago when he got that victory there too. So yeah, they're picking up their stride a little bit after, like you said, that penalty that they've had. Same thing for all of Thor Sport. Matt Crafton, who was nowhere to be found early on in the season, got consistency, got into the uh, to the field, and qualified for the playoffs. And he had a very good run, top five. He finished fifth last night there at Milwaukee Mile, which he was the only driver returning back to that track that actually ran a truck there that that track when we ran there last. So which Milwaukee is one of my favorite tracks. I love the fact that we get to go back there around for the trucks. And then um, and he actually had two really good races. You had between uh, you know, Carson Hosovar, Grant Infinger, you know, Grant, uh, there's no quit in him. There's no quit in that team. And, uh, you know, when the rumors started happening a couple of weeks ago that they were going to be going away, especially after they signed the Toyota deal uh, on the cup side of thing for Legacy Motor Club, they, uh, 
a lot of speculation if they were going to be able to transition over. Well, the problem is Toyota already has too many teams now in the truck series with Tricon Garage and uh, those alliances that they have there. So, um, and then Chevrolet, once they made the change on the cup side, wasn't going to support them doing a truck deal knowing they had Toyota on the other side of things. So came down to them finally shutting things down. There was some optimism there that things could happen, you know, that they were going to be able to make it work out. I was talking to Jeff Hensley, uh, Grant's crew chief, and we're at IRP. We spent about a half hour together talking about the football. And uh, there was optimism that things could maybe work out. But I can tell you this, those three drivers that they have at GMS are going to find full-time rides next year. I mean, you could find uh, Grant will be back in the truck series. The great thing with Grant is he brings a sponsor with him. He loves the truck series. He loves the 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 career and the life that it can give him in there. Plus, he can go out and run late models or Arca when he wants to beyond that. Uh, you know, uh, Rajak Ruth is going to be running probably, uh, if he's not running the KBM next year in a Chevrolet or Rev, um, he might be in the Xfinity series, but he very well could. He needs, I think he does a year, another year in the truck series, and it could very well could be with KBM because Chevrolet wants to keep, you know, Chevrolet, he's a Chevrolet guy. And then Grant, he will find himself with another team be it a Chevy team or you know, maybe you see him in a Ford somewhere else. So, uh, but I think they're wanting to go out on high. They're wanting to finish off with a championship, you know, and that's what you do. You don't quit. I mean, even though you know what the fate of the season is going to have, you don't quit and continue to go out and look for wins. And they got a good string of uh, racetracks coming up that Grant could do very well at, you know, he can continue on this streak, especially when they get to uh, Bristol here in a couple of weeks on that third, you know, third race. The other race I was talking about was good. was the Arca race that ran before the trucks yesterday. And, um, Swalowich, who's the, you know, the kid who is uh, Joe Gibbs racing, the latest development driver for Toyota, uh, starting to hit his stride. He moved the guy that's been dominant this year in the Arca series and Jesse Love. He was, and obviously Swalowich had a faster car and uh, kind of gave him the boot in turns three and four, moved him up the track, went under him and went on to the victory. So uh, those two have had run in so far this year too. So, but it was still a very good Arca race and a full, full Arca field too with, uh, Actually, Grant Enfinger finished up in the top five in that ARCA race before the truck race. He was driving a team, uh, driving for a team based out of West Virginia, which was kind of cool. So, um, not the first time for that, by the way. Yeah, yeah, good time for that '97 car. And uh, it, you know, Kitz Miller, Jason Kitz Miller, normally drives that car. Uh, what is it, Grant County Mulch? Grant County Mulch. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so a couple of years ago, when Enfinger got uh relegated to part-time with thor sport he went and ran the uh right truck. The, the nine for cody Rohrbaugh yep. a couple of times yep out of uh, out of west virginia so yep. it's neat to see and of course christian rose is the other west virginia car that was running uh he's had some good runs this year too in, uh, in that almost heaven west virginia car you know I, I, he, he did a great job scoring the tourism getting the tourism dollar on there because yeah. that's some pretty good looking race cars we just need to get a NASCAR track in West Virginia again. <laughs> yeah, we need to. We need to, need to have a market that's bigger, bigger TV market than what? What is our TV market here? Like one forty or something like that. Yeah, well, I think it could, because they combined Charleston and Huntington, it's in, in the seventies. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, well, I know radio market it's like one sixty. So, but it's you know I think there is if somebody has to put the investment into it. You know, and that's the thing. I know you talk about a track in West Virginia that's long been talked about here and if somebody's got to put a hand, good handful of money into it and have a good racetrack, good, uh, you know, got to have safer barriers. NASCAR wants those to happen. Got to have uh, good entrance exits, you know, ac you know, interstate access and all that stuff too, as well. So it could happen. I, I always envision the fact that somebody like, you know, and I've done a lot of work at the speedway over the years. And if they were allowed to put the investment into that track, like they want to, uh, you could host the Arca series or you could host the truck series there uh, at some point, but that's way, 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 way down the road. But we'll have to, to see how it shakes out. Cause I know NASCAR has been looking at some tracks that used to be on the schedule for the truck series uh, to bring them back onto the series here. Uh, possibility, like especially out West at Evergreen, which was a great track. Uh, but you know, it's, it gets kind of hung up on the fact they need to have safer barriers out there and, my, my contention is, okay, you're going to put 16-year-old kids in ARCA cars on tracks that don't have safer barriers. Why can't you put a truck out there? You know, so that's just me. No, totally get it. Uh, there's a lot of, of great racing action that happened over the weekend. A lot more to look forward to this fall with the playoffs uh, kicking up in all three series. Um, Jason, we thank you so much for joining us. We've taken too much of your time, but we really oh, appreciate fine. you coming on. And, uh, and we certainly hope to have you on again soon. 
uh, to talk more about the uh, NASCAR, maybe playoffs or preview next season yeah. as well. But once again, thank you so much. Well, by the way, what did you all think of the IndyCar race? I thought that was pretty good race. Cool. I love yeah. Gateway. They're perfect for those IndyCars. Ga- Gateway is a great racetrack. Um, I, I don't know how Scott Dixon manages to be so fast and burn yeah. so little fuel. I was going to say Alex Pelot's comments after the race. He just said, that, that's Scott Dixon, you know? Nothing <laughs> else he really thinks. How are you going to beat that guy? You know, I mean, that's yeah. you know, the best thing that could happen for that series for the other drivers is Scott Dixon says, you know what? I've done enough. I'm going to retire. You know, but he's yeah. he's still young. He's far away from it. But it's, I, very, know, I, it's very rare that anybody beats Scott Dixon. Uh, he, he is so good. A lot of times that it's something that the team beats itself with, yeah. with him. And, and I mean, that doesn't even happen very often either. You know, real quick here before we wrap it up, you know, we, we talk about we could talk about seat shuffle. We talk about GMS. What's going to happen to those drivers? And you know, you got some shuffling that might happen too. Of uh, you know, Carson Hosovar, a lot of speculation if he's going to go Xfinity racing or if he's going to go Cup racing next year. I keep hearing a lot more he's going Cup racing. And you add to it, you know, with the, what he's done with Spire, he's actually going to be behind the wheel of the 42 car this weekend at Darlington. So it kind of good. He gets a good opportunity to see how that's going to how he's going to look behind that wheel there with Legacy. Well, he, he, made his Xfinity, he made his Xfinity debut at Darlington, right? With Spire yep. and, and ran top five most of the race, I feel like. Yep, ran what? Ran very well. And then very, very well at uh, at Michigan until that accident happened. And he still finished solid, have, not having a door. I mean, that was the thing that got me there at Michigan. But he's a great talent. He's going to be good. And, uh, you know, it's where it's going to, you got silly season that's going to happen, you know, because you're still kind of wondering what's going to happen to Stuart Haas racing if they're going to stay, if they're going to stay forward or, is somebody else changing the Ford or something? There's a lot of talk about what's going on there. There's a lot of talk about, honestly, the, the if you believe rumors or whatever and kind of follow things, 2311 racing. Are they going to be a Toyota team next year? That's going to be a big deal. And I think a lot of that has to do with where the cars come from. Because I think that Legacy is coming in and they're going directly through Toyota. You know, they were wanting 2311 to get their cars through JGR. So it's just, you know, they want to go directly with the manufacturer and stuff. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because you notice nothing has been signed yet. Nothing has been finalized yet. And there's a lot of talk that's going on. Now, granted, somebody brought up a good analogy on it. You know, Daniel wants to do it as the, as for the competition and how they, you know, they can be a winning team. Michael Jordan. Yeah. He wants to win because Michael Jordan's a winner, but Michael Jordan likes to make money too. He wants to see where the bottom line is going to be and what, who's going to give him a better opportunity. So that's going to be fun. And then of course you, I talked to some friends of mine, Nicky Oman and them in the, uh, in the IndyCar series. And it, there's a lot of seat shuffling going to happen in IndyCar. <laughs> so there's a lot of drama that's going to happen here. You know, I know IndyCar finishes up in a couple of weeks, you know, when they finish up there at the, at the, uh, uh, at Laguna Seca. Yeah. Laguna Seca. Portland, yeah. Laguna Seca. And, um, you know, they finish up pretty quick. So that stuff will start to kind of, uh, come to fruition on things and what's going to happen But the cup series. You're going to wait until, you know, we get past Phoenix before anything can probably finally happen. If NASCAR fans think that in uh, that NASCAR silly season is silly, they, they should take a look at IndyCar and and realize how silly that is. I, I read or something. How bad about, Formula One's going to be after this year? Who's going to be where? <laughs> yeah, that's true too. I, I was reading something from Marshall Pruitt on uh, Racer.com that uh, something like sixteen or seventeen of the IndyCar seats were up for grabs. That the, the drivers yeah. were free agents after the season. It's insane. And, and, and it's a whole deal of how much money do you have to bring to the table. So. 100%. Well, fortunately, yep. uh, we didn't have to to bring any money to the table to get you to come on the podcast. <laughs> Anytime, guys. Sorry we couldn't make it happen last week, but if you guys want to, uh, uh, see, I'm finishing up the season with, uh, where am I at next? I'm at Bristol for the trucks. Um, where am I going? Oh, Talladega. And then I go to uh, Homestead, and then I'll be at Phoenix for the championship. So we can, anytime you guys want to talk around there, if you want to, whatever you want to do, just let me know. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Jason. And we'll, uh, we'll be sure to be in touch. Jason Toy on Cloudy with a Chance of Racing. Thanks so much once again to Jason Toy from MRN for joining us to open uh, this uh, week's episode of Cloudy with a Chance of Racing. Now we're on to our second guest of tonight's show. You know him from iFantasyRace.com. He's also got a big presence on social media. Uh, I, I almost called it Twitter, but it's not Twitter anymore. It's X. It's, uh, it's Ryan from iFantasyRace. Ryan, thanks so much for hopping on with us. I'm happy to be back, and you don't even have to remember Twitter anymore because last time, as I revealed, you don't have to, you know, do Twitter.com slash iFantasyRace. You can just remember Oval.Monster. 
Oval.monster. So I, I still have that forwarded. <laughs> awesome. That's fantastic. All righty. So um, you're the uh, kind of the expert amongst us uh, on some of the, the, the racing stats and stuff. So we have our 16 drivers who are in the playoffs now in the NASCAR Cup Series. Let's go over some of the ones that are uh, su- uh, were surprised, perhaps, that uh, came in or that, that made it to the 16, and some that are su- were surprised that did not make the 16. Um, and I, I guess the biggest surprise that didn't make the 16 has to be the two HMS cars of Alex Bowman and Chase Elliott. I mean, Chase Elliott not making the chase, that's, that's probably a disaster for the sport. Chase Elliott, if he would have hurt himself, I mean, he would have easily made his win. But my personal Chase Elliott prediction is that over the next 10 races, he's going to become one of the hottest drivers in NASCAR. He's going to be like the preseason favorite for sure next year. I just think he's going to be tremendously, he's going to get on a tremendous hot streak. I can I can just kind of sense it because, you know, over the course of the chase, so many drivers, they just start to mysteriously fumble all over the place. Like the last two Darlington races for the Southern 500s, we probably had double digit drivers who have you know had asterisk mark reports things just happen to drivers in the chase but drivers outside of the playoffs they don't seem to have those things happen to them quite you know like the playoff drivers do alex bowman i mean he started the season red hot but i kind of maybe cursed him when i was on the show last time because you know i picked him you know for my dover pick and then you know we didn't see him for a while after that so you know maybe i did him in getting a little cute right there but you so know what him- you're saying is i shouldn't tag him in the post of this uh <laughs> and that because if something happens to him again where he can't race next week, uh, you might find a very angry Alex Bowman at your doorstep. I mean, he's kind of dead to me after, you know, doing that to me, you know, stiffing me right there. But okay. Alex Bowman not making it, I think that's a tremendous surprise, too, considering he started off the season so hot. You know, he's the points leader for for the time being until he gets points penalty. Probably was still the points leader when he was, you know, out with injury. Ryan makes a good point there about non-playoff drivers because just last year, I think the what entire round of 12, one of the entire rounds were winners outside of the playoffs. You had Busher, Wallace, and then there was a, a third. Eric Jones to... won the Darlington. Yeah, there right. it is. Yep. So th- this first round all had non-playoff driver winners last year. And uh, it's it's definitely a possibility, especially with like, you know, we've been talking that some of these drivers left out of the playoffs and have definitely have potential to, you know, be a party wrecker. Yeah, and I mean, being in the playoffs, that's just a tremendous amount of pressure that you know that, that, that's put on the drivers. And some of them just crumble under the pressure. And you have some drivers that aren't typical playoff contenders now, with Michael McDowell being in there, Ricky Stenhouse teams that you know aren't used to that pressure. And then you have both twenty three eleven teams in as well, which will be interesting um, to see how you know, their success is. Yeah, interesting. Both 2311 cars, both RFK cars, who after a rough season last year and kind of a rough start to 2023 uh, in the first couple races, uh, have, I think pleasantly surprised the entire garage area and the entire NASCAR fan base with how those cars have come on here late in the summer. All right, Ryan, I have a question for you on that, uh, the RFK team. So I saw a statistic today that showed the average um, – finishing position of all the drivers and Chris Busher's this season second on that list. Um, you know, is his speed backing the, up those finishes or is it kind of the deal where he's uh, kind of getting fortunate towards the end of races to, you know, find that higher finishing position? Well, I think the 17 team comparing them to where they were earlier in the season is pretty unfair, but right now, I mean, they've definitely have the elite speed. I mean, nobody handed, you know, we sure Richmond, nobody handed them Michigan. I mean, he just took out, just took out there and he dominated. But I will note this spring, though, at Darlington, I felt that Chris Boucher was the least competitive of the playoff drivers. He finished 10th, but you can get an asterisk mark for that one. It's kind of one of those races where everybody crashed, you know, like chaos broke out. He just kept on moving forward. He literally was a lap down in the 30s in stage two. He started stage, he started the final stage in 27th. He had like a 25th place average running position. So, I mean, that 10th he had, that's full school. Totally don't read into it at all. Gotcha. Thank you. Good, uh, good advice there on, on the 17 car. But I'll, but I'll also note, though, comparing uh, May to right now, that's probably totally not very fair to him. So I think he'll be a legit top 10 contender this weekend. What do you think about the boss man, Brad Keselowski, finding himself in victory lane? Because now four times in the last year, 
He's uh, he's been there alongside his his teammate Chris Busher. Uh, when do you think Brad Kay finally gets into victory lane? Is it in the next ten races? Uh, well, everyone's bringing their A game, and I don't know if RFK when it's time for everyone to bring you know all their best stuff. I don't know if they necessarily have it. But Brad Keselowski, he could potentially win one of these races, though. I mean, Darlington over the last five Southern 500s is 6.2 average. He has a 6.2 average finish, which is tied for being the second best. And you could maybe even potentially say it's tied for being the best because Kyle Larson didn't race in all five of them. And also, you know, we also think about uh, Bristol. Brad Keselowski is one of the best at Bristol and Chris Boucher won there last year. So, I mean, Brad Keselowski, he's, I think he's better at Bristol than Chris Boucher. So he could, he could potentially win there. Obviously, uh, the the hot three drivers of the season, uh, especially through the, the media season, were Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlin, and William Byron. Is it safe to say that all three of them were a lock for the Final Four? I actually have all three of those guys in my Final Four. Should I reveal the the, the extra one? Go ahead, because well, that's actually a good a good segue for us okay. to to look back at our first episode at how far off we were. I believe. Oh boy. I hope I didn't list this wrong, you know, mistake you guys, but Kyle Larson is my fourth guy. Okay. Kyle Larson, he has, I mean, he has to be consistent. He has to get through the first round, which is treacherous. The second round, which is also treacherous with Dega in there. But when he gets, if he gets to the third round though, I think he's gonna be a lock to get there. I mean, Vegas, I mean, he's capable of doing great things at Las Vegas. I mean, he should have won there, you know, this spring Homestead. We know what he can do at Homestead. I mean, he, he thoroughly dominated the competition. Martinsville, he won there this spring. I mean, if he gets to the third round, I think he's a lock to make it. Oh, and and also, point. and also, if he makes the final round after those three races right there, he'll probably be the favorite because he's going to have tons of momentum heading into the, to it. Well, you make a good point that the Homestead is now back into the playoffs after a couple of years not being in that final ten races. They were earlier in the season, so that's definitely a track where a driver can control his own destiny with how well his car is driving, where he places the car. Uh, you bring up a good point there, um, Dylan or Jake. You want to go ahead and, and list off. Uh, so Dylan, uh, Jake went back, basically got uh, listeners and said and wrote down who all we predicted uh, in our opening show would be in the final four. And so now uh, we thought it was a good time to look back at that. So Dylan or Jake, do you, one of you want to go ahead and reveal your uh, your uh, your top four and, and see how we're looking there? Dylan's looking a little better than me, so Dylan. Yeah, so I have uh, Hamlin, Larson, Blaney, Kyle Busch, which you know I'm confident about two of those. Uh, Blaney and Kyle Busch is who I'm kind of worried about. And another question for you, Ron. Uh, we didn't really get to this when you were talking, but we uh, and it's kind of funny because they're kind of flying under the radar right now. I think Pinsky. So with with Logano and Blaney. They have, uh, at least I don't think, have, have shown much in terms of you know speed in recent weeks. Is that something that they could you know flip a switch in the playoffs? Do these tracks align with their driving styles, or how is that going to work potentially? I actually have both of those guys getting booted out in the second round. Okay. Both of them, actually, I mean, the second round, the drivers we actually have listed for getting booted out of there is Kevin Harvick, Kozlowski, Logano, and Blaney. So a lot of Fords going on in that round. Yeah, for me, interesting. I mean, they. They're capable of doing good things at Dega, obviously, but they might not. Yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good segue to my preseason Final Four because I have two Fords in it. And I picked Hamlin, Elliott, which we know won't happen, Logano, and Harvick. I'm not as confident, but, you know, three of, three of four, you know, still alive, I guess, is decent. And my champion in Dylan's preseason champion we both pick Hamlin which I think can very well happen you know we've seen him make the championship four so many times it seems like and uh, he's fallen short in in the final race but um I I definitely will see Hamlin in the championship four but I guess you know I picked Elliott I guess if I had to pick another driver to fill in that space probably William Byron so I guess my reformed final four is Hamlin, Logano, Harvick, and Byron. And then, a, uh, at least you you have your, your champion uh, who is yeah. still alive. Unlike uh, our friend Steve, who couldn't wait to be with us tonight. Uh, but Steve had his final four is Tyler Reddick, Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney, and Chase Elliott. And he picked Chase Elliott as his champion. So, uh, Steve is definitely going home empty-handed from this one. 
but, but here's a good in February when we, when we made those predictions, we had no way of knowing that two or three weeks later that Chase Elliott would end up with a broken leg and be out for a handful of weeks or that that team would be penalized a, a ton of points in uh, for, for, for car infractions. So, uh, you know, with what we knew at the time, I think Chase Elliott w- was a good pick. And, and honestly, the stats kind of back it up, Ryan. Like, Chase Elliott seemed like pretty consistent. In that, in that same post that, uh, that Dylan cited a moment ago, Chase Elliott had the fifth best average finish the season at 13.2. So if he could have done that throughout the entire season and not missed six, seven races, he would be squarely in the playoffs. I mean, I I don't have my rankings in front of me, but I probably had, you know, Chase Elliott probably number two. I mean, nobody knew he was going to, you know, do snowboarding. I mean, that's, to, that's a unique one, you know, for going out for so many races. But, you know, obviously nobody knew that. But, I mean, he had a great regular season, really. I mean, he didn't win anything, but, I mean, he was one of the most consistent drivers, really. I mean, sure, he crashed a, a few times, but... I mean, he was great. It was a great regular season for him. So my championship four, I uh, predicted a few months ago, was Danny Hamlin, Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney, and Tyler Reddick. So the same four as Steve, but I had Blaney as my champion. Interesting that and, a lot of us uh, had Blaney. You know, I felt like it was a lot of hype with him preseason and how he kind of finished some of last year. Well, he was just so consistent last yeah. year. It seemed like even in, even though he didn't win very much, he was right there at the front of the field, and uh, and so you say, okay, like they've got kind of things kind of figured out. And then I don't know. It's early in the season. You usually could say, okay, it's it's Ford's kind of behind a little bit on their program. Like Chevy and Toyota have made some uh, some advancements there. But look at the summer. You got Busher winning three. You got McDowell winning a race. You can't really point to that. Uh, to that that Ford trope being a uh, being kind of an excuse for Penske anymore. Penske is just off their mark right now. Well, Blaney did have that surprise one in the Coca Cola Six Hundred. I mean, that's kind of surprise speed, I would say. Yeah, I, I definitely that the surprise, but uh, I think it's very easy to say that's probably more of an anomaly than than a trend, right? Uh, I mean, he didn't do that again. <laughs> very true. Yeah. So as we look forward to the. The, the playoffs, Ryan, is there any dark horse you think who, who can make a strong run? Of course, Chris Buescher has unbelievable momentum going right now, but is, is there another driver who, uh, who who could make a deep run and surprise some people and, and, and shove some of the favorites out early in the in the playoffs? I can't really say I really like a Cinderella. I mean, but I do like some, some uh, bracket busters, though, I'll tell you. <laughs> okay. Like, like one driver who I think maybe might be a bracket buster is I think Ross Chastain could go on the first round. I mean, sure, Ross Chastain, you know, runner up last year, but Chastain hasn't had three straight top 15s since uh, May. Yeah, so, that's... I mean, he's only starting four points above the cut line. And I mean, obviously, he's kind of a do for, you know, a lock essentially in each round to, you know, have like kind of like a buzzkill result and underperform. I mean, he clearly hasn't had it since... Uh, you know, his Darlington sit down. And I don't think he can just flip the switch and, you know, get back to who he was at that time. Yeah. that well, I've been yeah. filling out my bracket uh, or whatever we want to call it on the NASCAR website. Um, and I actually, I did have Ross out in the first round as well. Um, I've definitely seen that where he's seen that regression in the past. I could see him running well at Kansas though. Um, and that's the only reason why I think he could, he could have a great performance there. Maybe get couple stage wins or something like that, or if not win the thing. But the other two tracks, I don't have much confidence in them right now. Ryan, yeah, what are uh, – I want to get your thoughts on the guy who just snuck in, Bubba Wallace. Uh, he won at Kansas in the fall of last season. Do you think that he has a chance to make a run? Me for the first round? I don't think so. I, I have him either getting out in the first round or the second round. For my first round, I have uh, Stenhouse, McDowell, Chastain, and Wallace getting out right now. But I kind of flip-flop between Wallace and Harvick. But Wallace is certainly capable of doing some good things in the first round. He finished fifth this spring at Darlington. I mean, performance-wise, he's been a top-ten contender for the last three straight races there. We all know what he did at Kansas last fall, and he was great this spring. I mean, a lot of a lot of fourth-place finishes at 1.5-mile checks this year. And at Bristol, Bristol is one of his better tracks other than on super speedways. He's certainly capable of getting through the first round. I am nervous, though, about, you know, him being under pressure. It seems to really get to him, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that'll be definitely something to keep an eye on because Bubba has been one to to at least 
to an outsider's perspective, crack under pressure. Speaking of pressure, I got to go back to Ross Chastain for a moment, because after you mentioned that Darlington sit down, aside from Nashville, the, the one anomaly there, uh, Ross has been more of a Waldo. Where's Waldo? He, he's been off the map. And it's not like they've had, um, you know, been caught up in other people's messes. They've just been flat out slow for, for the entire summer. Yeah, they certainly underperformed and they, they need to, they need to flip a switch because I mean, they got a, they're in big, big trouble in my opinion. Yeah. And I, I mentioned that a few podcast episodes ago that it's just, you know, I thought early in the season before he had that sit down that he did show speed. And that's what the biggest thing for me is. Yes. He, he was driving aggressively, but I, I still think he had speed and I don't think he he's the team showing that right now, which is kind of interesting you know, him losing his aggressiveness. I thought they practiced well, too. That's one thing I know, uh, especially last year when he was running well at times, he would say, you know, I'd run out there for five, ten laps. I wouldn't even have to put out a 20-lap 20, 20 run. I'd feel that the car was good after those short amount of laps, and we could just, you know, save our stuff. And we're not, we're not seeing that. He's not even practicing with good speed either. So, um, you know, that regression is really, really concerning, I think, for track house. Because halfway through the season, you would have said, man, you could see him and Suarez potentially making a run, uh, but no, that's not the case at all now. Well, certainly a lot, uh, a lot of moving parts in the the ten race playoffs. Uh, could see some surprises, could see some upsets. Uh, a lot of drivers, uh, they all have it in their own uh, in their own ballpark at this point, and we'll see which ones can rise to the occasion and which ones will crack under pressure. Um, let's talk a little bit about some other news that's happened in. NASCAR, I mentioned it briefly with Jason, that GMS Racing announced they are closing up shop on the truck series side, also closing up their fab shop that built a lot of trucks, uh, chassis and, and ARCA chassis, uh, any, any, or ARCA parts, I should say. Uh, so it's sad to see that organization go. Anytime you see a uh, organization closing its doors, it's, uh, it's sad for the sport. But also, uh, like Jason mentioned, some of the, the internal politics of NASCAR with their Cup Series affiliation going over to Toyota and all of that going on. But uh, so there's that. Uh, the news that Carson Hosevar will be driving the 42 car this weekend at the Southern 500. Uh, that's a pleasant surprise to see him get another opportunity. And, and to be honest, he was running great at Gateway, filling in for Corey LaJoy uh, until that brake rotor issue. So I'm excited what he's able to do. And hopefully the, the car stays together for him this time. Let's see, what else uh, do we have in the uh, in some NASCAR news? Oh, it just came out today that uh, that Austin Sendrick and Harrison Burton are swapping crew chiefs starting uh, this coming week at the Southern 500, and that will continue into 2024 as well. So it'll be uh, Jeremy Bullins going over to work with uh, Harrison Burton. However, do I have that backwards? My link is loading. And I will tell you. I believe Bullens was uh, Cendric's crew chief. Yeah. So Brian Wilson will go to the two car with Austin Cendric, and Jeremy Bullens will go to the Wood Brothers to work with Harrison Burton. So uh, just a couple of news items there. Anything else that I might have missed over the weekend, guys? Well, I saw something uh, from Adam Stern earlier, Sports Business Journal, about SRX Ooh. and how they're in talks to host a race in the Middle East. And wow. they would possibly Saudi Arabia or Qatar as soon as the end of uh, this year. So they're, they're wow. in talks to kind of, um, they said it would be just be a standalone invitational according to Adam Stern and but eight U S drivers, four host country drivers and four from elsewhere. So that's so a 16 car race. Yeah. So the yeah, SRX looking to change a few things. Well, I think that's I, would, that be on a, money. would that be on an oval or a road course? That is, a good, I, yeah. I personally don't know of any oval tracks in that part of the world, but they do incredible things with new building and stuff over there. So it's very possible they could slap an oval track together in pretty short order. Yeah, that, I mean, just the idea of it is, is pretty crazy to me. Also, uh, a piece of news too is you know the two hard crashes that we had this weekend, the Cup Series. You know, I, I don't think there's been an update. To, at the time of this podcast in terms of, you know, what the exact injuries that Ryan Priest suffered. Um, but, you know, it's good news that he's out of the hospital. I think it just 
you know, I, I see a lot of, again, there's always the debate, you know, how safe is NASCAR? But I think when we look at it, and you look at motorsports as a whole, we just had um, in one of the, I don't know if you guys saw, one of the MotoGP races, Moto1000, they had um, two people pass away this weekend with an accident they had. There is not a safer form of motorsports, I think, even going down to dirt racing than NASCAR, than the Cup Series vehicle right now. I, you know, it's crazy that you can see those accidents that are being played. I mean, it was on Good Morning America on our TV show this morning, running after my, my morning show. One of the first videos that they played during their show was the video of Ryan Priest's car barrel rolling through the, you know, infield. So um, a huge testament, I think, to NASCAR for the safety measures that they made. They're still, you know, they're going to do some work that exactly why his car got off the ground so easily, I think, uh, because that's something, as you know, we mentioned – you don't see that as much with this next-gen car. I'll tell you as a Ryan, just an observation of mine, you don't want to be called Ryan and race yeah. at Daytona. Definitely. I mean, it just doesn't work out too well. I mean, you got Ryan Blaney, Ryan Priest, Ryan Newman. Who had several scary, stuff, I mean. scary crashes at yeah. Daytona, you know? As a Ryan, I'm not going to be in an automobile going around that track. <laughs> That's uh, quite a coincidence there. And uh, we certainly hope that all Ryans can have safe races at Daytona in the future. Um, let's get to our, uh, our pop-up showers this week. Jake, go ahead and start us off. Sure. Uh, you guys have, uh, mentioned it here and that was something on NASCAR Reddit, um, that came up driver average finish in 2023 and here in the regular season. And it's just number one, Martin Truex Jr. has averaged 11.4 going down the line. We mentioned how Chris Busher is number two on the list. It just shows you the regular season. Some other surprising ones was Elliott being fifth, not making the playoffs. And then you have, you know, Bubba Wallace and Tyler Reddick almost identical as teammates. Bubba, 16.8. Reddick, 16.9. And you go a little bit further down the list. And, uh, you, you know, you just got to point out that Stuart Haas Racing is, has been disappointing. You know, Chase Briscoe. Who we're talking about Cinderella's made a Cinderella run last year. You know, I don't think anyone expected him to, you know, make it as far as he did. I mean, just mm-hmm. he didn't show, I think, nearly as much speed as anyone expected this season. Yeah. Average finish 20.8. Almarola 21.7. Ryan Priest 22.2. Uh, so that that stat is just in my pop up shower. It's, it's uh, as we finish the regular season. Um, you kind of look back at, at what was, and there's certainly um, a lot of surprising numbers from that. My pop-up shower, uh, I wasn't able to go to a um, race this past weekend, a local dirt track, but uh, Lake Cumberland Speedway hosted the 12th annual Harold Hargrove Memorial, a uh, great late model dirt race. And uh, Josh Rice, who has won there previously this summer, he's kind of a younger guy from northern Kentucky. He, I think, is going to be a big name in late model dirt. Um, he is a great, great driver. So um, look for his name to be popping up some, uh, maybe some national dirt races as well in the future. It's uh it's, it's always good dirt racing, it seems like, in Kentucky this summer. And, and you really dug up and uncovered a lot of that, Dylan. So, oh, and uh, also, Kenny Schrader, Ken Schrader is coming to Richmond Raceway here in Kentucky at the end of September, last weekend of September. He's going to be racing there. And also, uh, I meant that I wasn't on the podcast last week, but I was at Richmond for that race that they had last weekend. And I heard a cool story about Tony Stewart once racing at the track, and it was before he really got his shot. He, well, he wasn't quite a cup driver yet, and uh, I guess he got crashed by one of the local favorites and just threw a massive fit, and the traffic, track photographer was telling me they got to see, you know, the angry Tony Stewart before the nation got to see angry Tony Stewart. <laughs> that's, that's a good one there. Uh, I have a, a couple pop-up showers. Uh, one thing we didn't mention in our news segment, which we absolutely should, is, is Kurt Busch has announced his retirement from NASCAR. Uh, it, it's kind of long been expected that would be the case after he had to get out of the seat partway through last year. Uh, I hate that he couldn't go out on his own terms, but it sounds like he is officially retired from NASCAR racing. So congratulations on a great season to the 2004 Cup Series champion, Kurt Busch. 
my pop-up showers, I got a couple of them in IndyCar world. So uh, disappointing to hear that Simon Pagina will be out for the rest of the IndyCar season after he had that vicious practice crash at Mid-Ohio, left him with post-concussive syndrome, it seems like, uh, or symptoms, I should say. And uh, and so he will not be in the uh, his, his uh, Meyer Shank racing car for the rest of the season. So two more races at Portland and Laguna Seca. And then also interesting uh, report from Racer Magazine's uh, Marshall Pruitt on IndyCar, uh, exploring the idea of a charter system or a franchise type system like what NASCAR has for its top teams. Um, I think it's interesting that the uh, IndyCar operations are now trying to get some sort of guaranteed revenue for their entries and their efforts to make the races, just like uh, NASCAR teams have gotten in recent years. And so that almost makes me wonder if, if a plan like that comes together in the next couple of years, if, if any of those ideas are brought forward uh, for possibly the revamp of the NASCAR charter system that's supposed to happen uh, after the, or sometime in the next, by the end of the 2024 season, we'd hope. Uh, so this couple of things caught my mind for sure, or caught my eye for sure, and we'll keep an eye on those uh, as well and see how it has any impact on NASCAR, especially the, the charter system uh, or charter type system being floated around in IndyCar. Let's take a look now at our race picks from Daytona. And our actual picks, uh, Jake had a great run. He had Brad Keselowski, who finished second to his teammate, uh, Chris Buescher. Keselowski, actually the high point earner for the week at 45 points. Uh, another good run for Dylan. He had Chase Elliott, who finished fourth, but which is three spots not good enough to get himself into the playoffs. Uh, 37 points for Dylan in that one. I had a 12th place run from Bubba Wallace, so uh, Bubba did enough to get into the playoffs. He didn't necessarily have to get in there and mix it up and and risk his car and not making the playoffs, but Bubba in at uh, 12th place with 30th, 30 points. And then Steve had Ryan Blaney, who, as we mentioned just a few moments ago, had a very hard impact into the outside wall at Daytona. 36th place finish for Blaney earning just one point. So our season-long standings look like this. At the end of the regular season, Dylan with 898 points. So he has a 99-point lead over Steve. Uh, Jake is uh, in third place with 770 points. So he's 29 points behind Steve. Then I find myself in the cellar. 756 points, uh, 14 behind Jake after... Uh, what is that now? My sixth, sixth consecutive race outside of the top 10. Uh, a couple uh, top 15, so an 11th and a 12th in there. But when everybody else is getting top 10s, if you're not getting top 10s, you are falling behind. And that's exactly the same boat I find myself in. Uh, Steve gets first pick. And uh, we knew Steve was not going to be on this episode. And uh, I kind of admit we kind of dropped the ball on getting a hold of him to see who we wanted to pick. Um, so we'll, we'll accept a duplicate this year. So that moves on the next pick to myself, I suppose, with the 12th place finish. So I would, um, man, I don't, I don't know who to go with here. I, I kind of have a, a strange feeling. This could be a Denny Hamlin race. So I'm just going to go Denny. Am I, am I way off base there, Ryan? Or, uh, or are you, are you nodding in agreement? I have Denny Hamlin number three, so I can't disagree. Okay. Okay. Uh, Dylan, you're up next. See, I want to go Toyota, but the fact that Chevy won this last year with with uh, Eric Jones, it has Eric me Jones. has me wanting to go Chevy. So I'm going to go um, William Byron. Uh, you know, not really a surprise pick at all. I think he could he could win that easily. Um, I wanted to go Chase Elliott, but I can't pick Chase Elliott like three out of the last four weeks. So <laughs> I'm going to go uh, I'm going to go Willie B. All right, Willie B. Jake, who are you taking? Well, I was leaning Hamlin. Um, I will go Truex. Okay. As the, one of the title contenders makes a statement early. And uh, I, I'll, I, I, I want to say Toyota, this one. Uh, so I'll go Truex. So where, Ryan, where do Truex and Willie B line up in your uh, in your rankings for this week? I had Truex number one, and I had William Byron number five. Okay. Okay. 
So okay, solid so top five guys. Who's two? What was that? Who's number two then? Uh, number two is Kyle Larson. Okay, yeah. I'm surprised none of us and picked then Larson. To round it out, then to round out my top five, it was uh, Truex, Larson, Hamlin, Bush, Byron. Okay. Okay. Also, Bush, I think we should say where Braxton is at. Know if we mentioned that we don't have a live oh. studio audience, there's no clapping in the background. There was some really interesting cheering yeah. going on, <laughs> and interesting yes. stuff. So, <laughs> so, just like a couple of weeks ago, when I was uh, doing the podcast from uh, the Canadian Open tennis tournament in Toronto, uh, I am at the U.S. Open, which is one of the four grand slams in tennis. So, I'm currently in a broadcast booth in Arthur Ashe Stadium, which is the largest tennis stadium in the world. And um, the loud cheering you hear is because there's an American playing right now in, uh, in teenager Coco Goff on the women's side. So uh, so that's the, the, the applause you have heard off and on throughout this yeah, podcast. And honestly, it's timed out a couple of times where, you know, it sounded like a, like a, la- like a laugh track, like an audience track. So. <laughs> it it would have been really funny if it would have timed out to where his applause after I said something stupid. <laughs> that would have been uh, good. But, or, uh, or, or good if it uh, if it applies after we said something brilliant. One of the two. <laughs> Ryan, who would your uh, pick be? Yeah, that's what I was about to ask. Well, last time uh, since I was on here, I got cute. You know, since, you know, obviously I'm not supposed to pick the same people that other people picked, you know. So, you know, I go down the pecking order. So, you know, I was down to Bowman last time. Maybe I'll do it and be cute and I'll just pick Larson, you know, number two. <laughs> Don't blame me, you know, if he crashes or anything bad happens. He's actually had problems in the last three races here. So hopefully he's due to have an instant free race. Actually, his last four instant free races here, he's finished second, 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 and third. Wow. And this spring, he probably could have won, you know, if he didn't have his run-in with Ross Chastain. His race wasn't even instant free before that. He actually had a slow pit stop early in the race. So dropped him back to the 20s, and then he drove all the way up to the front. I mean, he had commanded the lead of the race following the final green flag pit cycle. If Ryan Newman didn't decide to crash and, you know, bring in late chaos, which Ryan Newman's back, unfortunately, you know, you know, I think Kyle Larson would have won. I will say what's uh, interesting is we've had so few cautions over the last three races. It'll be interesting. I doubt it. But if that trend continues into Darlington, which is known for having, um, you know, it's fair share of caution. Well, think about this way. You know, it's one thing to not have cautions at road courses or it's surprising to not have cautions at Daytona. You can't, if you have no cautions or very few cautions at, a track whose nickname is literally the track too tough to tame. Yeah. That tells you everything that you need to know about the problems with this race car. Yeah. And we all seen how last year played out super late chaos, chaos throughout the whole race. I mean, it just, it just goes up the level to the next level of the chaos in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, easily double digits amounts of, you know, playoff drivers in the last two Southern 500s having problems. I mean, it'll probably be problems off the charts. I mean, like I said earlier, Chris Boucher literally in 27th finished 10th this spring. I mean, I think Harrison Burton finished sixth. So I think that tells you something about, you know, how wild the race was. <laughs> yeah. True that. And wasn't it last year? Well, it wasn't the Southern Five. It was Bristol that Kevin Harvick had all kinds of issues, right? Yeah, I remember that in the playoffs. He had one of the races. He it, just... was two, it was two years ago. That was the one where uh, where he had a run in with Chase oh, Elliott okay. and then Chase got up and, and kind of intentionally blocked him, right? And let Kevin Harvick, win. Kevin Harvick actually did have a problem this race last year. He had one of those, I like to call it the random Ford fires. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, that's right. He, yeah, yeah. he was eliminated after the first round last year. I think that was one of the bigger surprises. He was like mid-pack of the 16 drivers, I think. And then he was eliminated after that. I knew it was one of the races he had some sort of issue. Yeah, he definitely did have a random fire last year. So let's take a look at our random picks from this past week uh, where um, – it was kind of a struggle bus for all of us. So I led the way with Michael McDowell finishing 13th and getting 24 points. Jake actually finished second amongst us with uh, Cole Custer in the 51 car finishing 19th and getting 18 was, points. I don't think that was Cole Custer. I thought it was. Um, I got to look up exactly because I was, I was following it a little bit during the race. To look on good old Jayski at the uh, finishing order. It was the 51 car, no matter what. J.J. Mm-hmm. J. J. Uh, Yale. J.J. Yale. Okay, there we go. Uh, Dylan was one position back in the 99 car uh, with Daniel Suarez. I know that Suarez was for sure in that vehicle. 
uh, getting 26 points. I guess Daniel got some sage points in there. And then Steve, uh, coupled with his uh, his bad luck on the actual picks, uh, having Blaney finish 36th. Blaney's teammate, Austin Cindric, finished 37th. Um, <laughs> so in the random standings, uh, I have a commanding lead, uh, literally 161 points, 131 points, excuse me. Uh, no, actually, it's less than that because Jake is in second, so 123 points is my lead over Jake in random. Dylan is third with 564 points, so just eight points back there. And Steve in the cellar with 530. Uh, so let's get our random spins going first at Darlington. And first up will be uh, Steve. And I'll get the camera going while I'm doing this. Uh, Dylan, you have quite a lengthy forecast for this week, so go ahead and get it right. Yeah, rolling. luckily the you know the race is on Sunday. Um, you know, and not there's not a lot of activity during the week, obviously. Never is during NASCAR. But uh, the hurricane, well, it's now Tropical Storm, getting ready to strengthen into a hurricane. Um Idalia there. It's going to make landfall somewhere around the big bend of Florida Monday, uh, excuse me, Wednesday. It is Monday. Um, and then that will trek up the coast. So it'll bring a lot of rain, four to six inches potentially of rain to Darlington Wednesday, Thursday. So luckily that's going to be on out of here by Saturday and into the weekend. And it should be actually really, really nice. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, if there's any, you know, damage to the facility or stuff like that. Because there's going to be some at least tropical storm force wind gusts there. Um, so uh, that'll that may hold things up in terms of you know the TV crew getting set up and stuff during the week. But it shouldn't impact the way racing at all. And then uh, Ryan, you said you mentioned earlier that you had a uh, bonus pop up shower this week. Yeah, shameless self-promotion, I guess, for myself. But uh, <laughs> this week is actually going to mark, I th- I'm going to call it the 11th anniversary. I could get more aggressive and call it 12th or 13th, but I'm going to call it the 11th to be on the conservative side for the modern weekly format of top tier elite front runner rankings and mid-pack predictions for the for, you know, for the weekly posts, for the weekly content on drivers, the core content, getting segmented into three posts, basically. It's the modern format set this week. Back at Chicago, Fantastic. back when Chicago was the opening playoff race. So it's been a long wow. time. It's, it's, it's been a minute. Awesome. Uh, I have one more spin to do here, and then I'll release uh, the random uh, results. I know it's been a huge point here. People really uh, like that. Uh, uh, Ryan's uh, anniversary. <laughs> it's, it's the fans wanting Chicago back on the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there you go. Um, okay, so... So Steve got the first spin, and he got the defending winner, Eric Jones. Next up was Dylan, got Tyler Reddick, playoff driver. Uh, Jake, you got Ryan Blaney. So it could be uh, up or down there. I ended up, for the second consecutive week, with Michael McDowell, uh, playoff driver. And then... um, Unfortunately, Ryan, I don't think you're going to do too hot. You ended up with Chase Briscoe. Hey, I mean, if, if he crashes, you know, I probably won't be here next week. Until, you know, <laughs> it, so. Hey, actually, you know, what's funny is uh, uh, it was very close to being Bowman, actually. No. Oh, no. I mean, they're both pretty bad, you know, this year. Briscoe's, yeah, but- Briscoe's just the next level of bad. They have both certainly had their struggles here in 2023. Um, so uh, the lady in black, we have the weather report from Dylan. Uh, it'd be, I'd be curious to see, you know, if there's any potential flooding issues. You know, we saw that the SRX race at Thunder Road in Vermont ended up being canceled because of uh, flooding that the rains had moved out, but it just lost so much destruction that it, it's kind of insensitive to host a race in that area right afterwards. Right. So, uh, so it makes me wonder if, if something like that could possibly happen in the Carolinas. Certainly don't wish it to happen, but, um, it's definitely on the radar of possibilities. Right? One thing I will say, it, South Carolina can't hold a, like more water than, than say, you know, the Northeast. So, um, I'm not too worried about it being that bad. Four to six inches of rain it will cause some flooding, but I don't think it'll be enough to, you know, cause significant issues there for Darlington at least. So that's one positive I'd say. 
And Darlington's a little inland, yes, right? Yes, it's a little bit. So it's not it's not any danger of a, of a storm surge. Yeah, if the, yeah, definitely not. If it was a danger of a storm awesome. surge, we are in trouble. <laughs> uh, very true. We have one heck of a storm storm surge. Alrighty. Well, it's been a uh, a fantastic episode of Cloudy with a Chance of Racing. A big thank you once again to Jason Toy from MRN for joining us earlier. Big thanks to Ryan from uh, iFantasy Race for coming on as well and sharing his insights into uh, some of the drivers who are locked into the top 16 for the NASCAR Cup Series. And, uh, of course, uh, Jake and Dylan as well. We'll, uh, we'll be back next week after the Southern 500. Um, I'll, let's kind of hash this out real quick on, while we're on here. Are we going to do a Labor Day recording, or are we trying to do Tuesday next week, just so the listeners know? Let's probably try to do Tuesday. Yeah. yeah Tuesday Whatever. it is. We're yeah. going to celebrate Labor Day uh, weekend and – and enjoy the uh, the Cup Series race on Sunday and have a good Monday off. And then uh, we'll be back with you next Tuesday for the next episode of Claudia with a Chance of Racing. So once again, I am Braxton Crisp. Thanks so much to Jason Toy and Ryan from iFantasy Race for joining us. Also for Jake and Dylan, have a good night. We'll be back with you next week on Claudia with a Chance of Racing. <laughs> <laughs>